I'm Dr. G, and for the past 10 years of my life, I've been passionate about all things holistic healing. I've been committed to healing myself and others from the inside out by incorporating some of the most effective modalities for healing the mental, the emotional, and the physical. I've learned that they give us the opportunity to be our most authentic and powerful selves. Heal Thyself is a show dedicated to just that. Today's show is going to be incredible, and I say it every week, of course I do, because it is incredible. Knowledge bombs of digestible information to empower and create clarity on what the highest version of us looks like. Product reviews to provide informed consent so you can buy the safest and best products out there. Better than the first two that I spoke about, and you're getting other B vitamins, which are energizing, right? Get off of it. Throw it away. And special guest segments with some of the brightest and most elite minds in their field. So what is that like on my nervous system? Six hours of holding that emotion. Here's the earth. Here's the mechanisms and mechanics of an earth when it breathes. We would think much different about that asthma patient that shows up. All to create change in all the parts that make you, you, so we can start healing ourselves and each other. Hey, all right, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Heal Thyself. Very special episode. I am in the comfort of my own home. I got my kimono, I got my sweatpants, I got my socks. I'm just hanging out. Uh, but uh, there's a little surprise in store as to why I'm not in the studio. We'll find out next week. Today's show, very special show, super special show. We have all things mushroom and herbs being covered today by our superstar guest, Danielle Ryan Broida. And for the Knowledge Bomb segment, I'm going to be talking about alternative sweeteners from the chemically-based ones to the sugar alcohols to the more natural ones like stevia monk fruit. Which one should you be taking in? And if the one you are consuming is healthy or not, we're going to get to the bottom of it in the Knowledge Bomb segment. So without further ado, let us get to the Heal Thyself show. All right, so alternative sweeteners, by now you probably have consumed some sort of food-based product that has an alternative sweetener inside of it. These are sugar alternatives, and they could be chemical or plant-based ones. Now, the thing about these is some of them have some controversy, some have less, some not really any. And some taste better than others, as you know, and some are really unpalatable. But regardless, for the most part, they're sweet or sweeter than sugar, and low to no calorie. Now, when it comes to these artificial sweeteners, the FDA regulates them as food additives. And as expected, they make sure these food additives are one, most importantly safe for consumption, uh, which is kind of broad term in itself uh, because there are some co controversy of whether or not we should be consuming some of these, and two, labeled correctly. Now, it can be marked on the store shelf as light or low calorie, or no added sugar, and people typically use these to lose weight or control their blood sugar or even for oral health. Traditional natural sweeteners with sugar that are commonly found in, in foods are sugar, uh, coming from fruit juice, molasses, honey, maple syrup, etc. So when it comes to artificial sweeteners, we really got to talk about these. Now, these are chemically based sugar substitutes. They have low to zero calories. You know, these are the ones that you find at a diner or a cafe right there in the little ceramic box uh, before you have your coffee or your tea. So they usually come in the form of aspartame, which is equal or NutraSweet, 
saccharin, which is sweet and low, or sucralose, which is Splenda, which is probably one of the more popular ones. A 2017 study of, out of George Washington University School of Public Health found that 25% of children and 41% of adults consume food or beverages using low-calorie sweeteners. Now, the researchers explained that those numbers represent a 200% increase in these low-calorie sweeteners consumption for children and a 54% jump for adults from 1999 to 2012. They also found that the likelihood of consuming low-calorie sweeteners went up as the adult body mass index, or obesity, went up. So last year, another study was published and we learn a little bit more about these uh, artificial sweeteners. There was a decline actually in 2002 to 2018 in these caloric sweeteners and uh, an increase in other sugar substitutes. So this isn't a surprise because when it comes to these sweeteners and you look in closer details, the prevalence of certain ones have been falling down, uh, especially aspartame and saccharin. Whereas sucralose, which again, as I mentioned earlier, Splenda, has gained in popularity with an, with an increase of 38.7% to 71% over 2002 to 2018. And Reb A, which is a highly purified constituent of stevia, went up from 2002, 0.1% to 2018, 25.9%. Now, before we jump more into uh, the artificial sweeteners, I just want to address one thing. A lot of uh, controversy comes around them being linked to cancer. Um, when you look at the research, it's most likely that they are not connected to cancer. Uh, I wouldn't worry about cancer being a concern yet for these. Um, they are metabolized and broken down to formaldehyde, which cause a lot of the controversy, especially downstream. But I don't believe that artificial non-caloric sweeteners cause cancer. But the question is, are these sweeteners for everyone? Now, probably not. We know aspartame is not uh, for folks with genetic disorders called phenylketonuria. Uh, but marketing-wise, if you're looking to lose weight, then they, they're marketed towards you, yes. If you have blood sugar dysfunction, prediabetes or diabetes, then yes, they're marketed towards you. But the question is, are these artificial sweeteners for everyone, and is it true that it is for everyone? Well, maybe. The majority of studies out there say that you lose weight with artificial sweeteners, and they don't contribute to weight gain. Right? But even in these studies, it's hard to nail down causality. That is, is this intervention, the non-caloric sweetener, leading to this, weight loss? Um, usually, at low doses, we can expect some benefit. But some other studies are less encouraging. Reported by the peer-reviewed Endocrine Society, and again, out of George Washington University 2018, they elucidate some concern that these artificial sweeteners cause metabolic issues that could eventually lead to weight gain, and eventually metabolic syndrome, which is high blood pressure, high blood sugar, prediabetes or diabetes, and it can, report, it can increase your risk for obesity, right? Um, and the authors of this study said that these artificial sweeteners actually increase your risk of diabetes three to five times. Uh, a quote from the uh, medical doctor behind it, Saab Yashi uh, Sen, I really hope I nailed down that name, but um, the quote is, our stem cell-based studies indicate that low-calorie sweeteners promote additional fat accumulation within cells compared with cells not exposed to these substances in a dose-dependent fashion, meaning that as a dose of sucralose is increased, more cells showed increased fat droplet accumulation. And why? It most likely occurs because there's increasing glucose entry into the cells through increased activity of the genes that call for glucose transporters. 
the increase in these transporters in the cells lead to the accumulation of fat, which is the opposite goal of these artificial sweeteners, right? To prevent obesity, but seemingly it's contributing to obesity long term. Now, they moved this cellular study into human studies, and they saw that human fat samples collected from individuals with obesity who consume low-calorie sweeteners found similar changes in gene expression in the same genes with increased activity of, like I mentioned, those glucose transporters in the stem cells and the fat cells. It equated to four cans of soda sweetened with sucralose. The researchers say they observed increased expression of these genes that are markers of fat production and inflammation, creating more inflammation likely from oxygen radical accumulation. Which is interesting because after they see this cellularly, now they're seeing this in human fat samples. In their study, four of the subjects were healthy weight, 14 had obesity, small study, and the healthy weight subjects, difference in gene expression wasn't really significant. However, in the subjects that were obese or overweight, the researchers noted significant evidence of increased glucose or sugar transport into the cells and overexpression of known fat-producing genes compared with fat biopsy samples from subjects who didn't consume the low-calorie sweeteners. Really important stuff to understand. So in essence, obese people consuming non-caloric sweeteners were seen to have metabolic changes for the worse. They since reproduced this study with more subjects and again saw the same thing. There's also another concern. There's emerging evidence that non-caloric sweeteners can affect your gut bacteria and it can shift a normal, healthy gut bacteria to a more pathogenic form. The International Journal of Molecular Sciences shows that saccharin, sucralose, and aspartame found in soft drinks and processed foods can cause beneficial bacteria in the intestines, such as E. coli and E. faecalis, to become more pathogenic or disease-causing. And when these become pathogenic, they can destroy the epithelial cells that line the intestine. And this was actually at a concentration equivalent to two cans of soda per day. Now, all three artificial sweeteners, aspartame, sucralose, saccharin, significantly increased the adhesion of these bacteria to the intestinal cells, the epithelial cells. Sucralose and aspartame actually elicited the invasion of these cells by the bacteria. And they led to increase bacterial biofilms. These are colonies that evade your immune system and can create antimicrobial resistance. Additionally, a human study out of Israel, we see that uh, artificial sweeteners are more likely to impair glucose tolerance and lead to more ailments like diabetes. The Journal of Nature saw something similar. They studied mice and humans and found that these sweeteners disrupted the makeup and function of gut bacteria and actually hastened glucose intolerance, which is interesting, right? The opposite of what they're marketed to do. And we know the microbiome is intimately tied to blood sugar. As per the authors of this article, artificial sweeteners were extensively introduced into our diets with the intention of reducing caloric intake and normalizing blood glucose levels without compromising the human sweet tooth. That's what the paper said. And these findings suggest that these sweeteners may have directly contributed to enhancing the exact epidemic that they themselves were intended to fight. Now, it was an animal and a small human study, but definitely calls for further research on these sweeteners. Now, with all this emerging evidence, let's wait till more comes out. But it seems that the more artificial sweeteners you consume, the more you're at risk for weight gain and blood sugar dysfunction, as well as gut dysfunction. So those are the artificial sweeteners. Other types of alternative sweeteners include sugar alcohols. They can be derived from straight fruit or veggies, or they can be synthetic hybrids. You may have heard of xylitol, erythritol, malitol, mannitol, sorbitol, and lesser-known isomalt and lactitol. And these are hybrids of sugar and alcohol. You may find that these, because these are polyols, 
if you have any gut dysfunction like SIBO or IBS, it actually may bloat you or give you gas or diarrhea. Because it's broken down in the colon, gut bacteria metabolizes them and you may have symptoms. So if you follow a low FODMAPS diet, you may want to avoid these. Uh, xylitol, one of the more popular ones, uh, and erythritol have less of a uh, digestive, uh, have less of a digestive disruption, but still you may find if you're sensitive to it, it may affect you. Uh, as a side note, xylitol has been found to be really good for reducing tooth decay and the incidence of gum disease. It slows the growth of the very bacteria that latches onto uh, tooth surfaces and uh, neutralizes acidic pH. So xylitol is an amazing one. If you can start to build your gut bacteria to take that in, it's one of uh, the better sweeteners out there. Um, ironically, some of these can actually help strengthen the gut bacteria, as I mentioned, and promote gut health uh, when you have a more balanced uh, gut microbiome. And the last ones are the plant-based ones, stevia and monk fruit. When it comes to these, I'm a much bigger fan of these than all of the other ones, particularly because with me, sugar alcohols are always a shot in the dark. I never know how it's gonna affect me. When it comes to stevia and monk fruit, you wanna make sure uh, you're getting high quality, pure powder. Especially with stevia, it's adulterated at this point where a lot of these stevia liquids or even stevia formulations and powder are combined with stabilizers, other preservatives, other sugar alcohols or sweeteners, uh, and it's not just pure stevia. So when you shop for stevia monk fruit, you have to make sure you look for pure powdered. The reason powder is because when it is in liquid form, it's not its natural form and it needs stabilizers and preservatives to keep it there. So always go for, again, pure 100% monk fruit or stevia. I personally prefer monk fruit because it has not show, been shown to have any effect on the gut bacteria. Stevia, the jury is still out. It will not affect your gut bacteria the way artificial sweeteners will, but it may disrupt the communication between bacteria and your gut. So in theory, it may cause some gut issues. That's why monk fruit is my favorite alternative sweetener. And that is all things alternative sweeteners in our Knowledge Bomb segment. Cannot wait to get to this guest. Listen, you know that I'm a fan of functional mushrooms. You know I'm a fan of what they do to the body. I'm a fan of herbs. You look in my closet, I got herbs everywhere in my pantry. So uh, Danielle Ryan Broida is the wealth of knowledge in this area, and she's coming to drop some amazing, amazing gems for us. You know, skincare isn't just about looking good, right? A lot of us want to look good, but it's not just about looking good. It's about nurturing your skin and being well-balanced from the inside out. And, you know, this world is flooded with a bunch of harsh chemicals that are really insulting our skin, our barrier. And you want something truly effective that is safe. Alitura is one of the best in the game. If you never heard of Alitura, you just think of, you might've seen some uh, black bottles with gold writing on it. It's one of the best. And they're always at health events and people are loving them and their quality. Alitura Naturals has crafted a serum that is not only safe, but also incredibly effective. Listen, a lot of you ask me where I get my glow from. This is a huge part of the equation. Their gold serum isn't just another skincare product. It's a testament to the power of natural healing and a commitment to holistic health. It uses organic ingredients like jojoba, olive, rosehip oils, and the gold serum is made organically with plant-derived vitamin A, not synthetic stuff, not that nasty stuff that you're getting in a lot of these over-the-counter products, GHKCU, and marine collagen to revitalize your skin. Alitura Naturals has been using the best ingredients in their products for years. They've been pioneering the path for what truly transformed skin should be. So if you're ready to take control of your skin health and experience the pinnacle of natural beauty, I highly recommend checking out Alitura Naturals. For a limited time, you, the Heal Thyself listener, will enjoy the exclusive discount 
just the Heal Thyself discount, only for you. That's 20% off of this gold serum. Go to alitura.com and use the code DRG for 20% off. That's A-L-I-T-U-R-A.com and get that 20% discount. It's amazing stuff. I use it every night before bed and I'm telling you, I'm on fire with my skin in a good way. Check it out. All right, let's face it. With all the toxins we're exposed to nowadays with processed foods, pollutants, and even stress, our poor livers have been working overtime. If you've been feeling sluggish, bloated, or just overall rundown, it may be time to give your hardworking liver some extra love and support. That is where Organifi's Liver Detox comes in. This convenient little capsule contains a powerhouse blend of clinically studied superfoods. This convenient little capsule contains a powerhouse blend of clinically studied superfood ingredients specifically designed to remove excess toxins and improve digestion, promote healthier energy levels, and just overall liver health. Now, one of the key ingredients is artichoke leaf extract, which has been clinically proven to help detoxify the liver and digestive tract. Then you got the all-star liver protector. You heard of it, milk thistle, an herb that has been used for centuries to give your liver a big old hug. That's not all. Organifi's liver detox also contains dandelion root, one of my favorite ones of all time, which is loaded with vitamins and minerals to promote healthy liver function and digestion. And finally, Trafalia, an ancient Ayurvedic formula packed with antioxidants that has been traditionally used as a powerful liver tonic, one of my favorite ones too. So whether you're dealing with sluggish digestion, low energy, or just want to give your body's main detox engine a little extra love, Organifi's Liver Detox has your back. Just take one to three capsules at any point during the day to start supporting your liver's natural detox pathways. All of us need to be supporting our liver. If you want to experience the energy boosting, liver supporting effects of this fantastic formula, head to OrganifiShop.com and use the code DRG for 20% off. That is O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I shop.com slash DRG. You all know how much I talk about mushrooms in every single way, both functional and psychedelic and the role that they play in mental and physical health. And I have an expert here today, Danielle Ryan Broider. She is an expert herbalist nutritionist, director of education at Four Sigmatic. And am I missing anything else, Danielle? That's great. I also teach mycology. Mycology, okay. Yeah, and is... for people who never heard about it, what is it? <laughs> That's it. It's the science and study of mushrooms. I teach at the Colorado School of Clinical Herbalism. So we focus on functional mushrooms. Mm -hmm. So we'll get deep into what that is. I, I would love to because uh, a few weeks ago, see, we have a mutual friend, yes. and she made some amazing videos on the product that she had coming out, the Super Mush product. Uh -huh. And I remember that we met at a party, and we were talking about this stuff. Yeah. And then you come up on this video, and I was like, oh, yeah, she's the expert. No. And, and I know how much work you're doing with Four Sigmatic and putting a lot of love and energy into those formulations. Yeah. So if anyone knows about functional mushrooms, and psychedelic, but functional mushrooms that we'll talk about today, yeah. is you um, and herbs. But um, how, at what point in your life are you in school doing like, I don't know, like writing 101, and mm -hmm. then you go, I kind of want to work with mushrooms. That never happened. That never happened. <laughs> okay. I like to say the mushrooms, the more you look for them, the more they'll kind of hide themselves from you. And this is really evident if you've ever been out foraging. It's like, I'm going to go find morels today, or I'm going to find lion's mane. There's no chance in hell you're finding them. You know, it's like through the deep surrendering where you're like, I have no idea what is going to come my way, that they really show up. Mm -hmm. And that was how they came to me. So there was no formal, like, this is my path and I'm going to invest in mycology. It really started. There was all different, like, pieces of it, that seeds had been planted along the way. But it was really when I opened my clinical practice after going to grad school for herbal medicine 
that almost all the clients that were coming to me had all sorts of chronic illness, autoimmune conditions, ailments that they said, I've tried every other practitioner, nothing is working or people don't even believe that there's anything wrong with me. There's no name or diagnosis for what I'm experiencing. And I ended up turning towards functional mushrooms, mm -hmm. you know, one at a time. I was like, what is the safest, most effective group of natural medicines that could directly support the immune system? And I was blown away. Mm. I was like, this is, it was really, it wasn't even a big segment of my education. I went and like learned mushrooms on my own and I was growing them and, you know, kind of this organic field. And then like, boom, there it was. Mm -hmm. So it was like client after client seeing these amazing results, some like really crazy cases, which I'm sure mm -hmm. you've seen as well. And I was like, this is, this is my purpose. This is my life path. Yeah, it's incredible because I'm sure that when you went through the herbal medicine education, you started seeing how powerful herbs are. And sort of like what I find in both that kingdom and mushrooms is that there's an inherent intelligence mm. uh, that is so deeply rooted and connected to the earth. Yes. And it's sort of like there is a language of which these uh, agents talk to us. Mm -hmm. And when we sort of clear our brains and come into contact with them, yes. there's something so powerful about them. And um, there was something I learned in school called the Doctrine of Signatures. Oh, yeah. Right? And uh -huh. I'm sure you know what it is, but it's really just how plants talk to us through yes. representations and, and different morphology. And we see it and we go, whoa, that might actually be good for this. Sort of like a carrot may be good for the eyes. When you cut it, it looks like an eye. Absolutely. Um, do you find that, that, that your experience in herbal medicine and mushrooms, uh, there's a language of which it's talking to us? Absolutely. I think even beyond doctrine of signatures, where we can really look at something and it can give us this information about what it might do for our body, I believe that the herbs and the mushrooms, they have their own messages, right? They have their own power and their own healing, and we're just conduits for them to express that into the world, right? Because they can only do so much on their own if they're growing off a tree or think of a rose, right? A rose is a symbol of love, of heart medicine, and it can express that to a certain extent on the bush, but when we are able to ingest rose, whether it's in tea or a powder, we get to be a fuller expression of what that energy came mm -hmm. to do. Mm -hmm. So I like to think of us, yeah, we're just this conduit, right? We're letting the medicine have a louder or more expressive way of, of being in the world through our bodies. What a way to look at it, because mm -hmm. um, the way my medical mind is like, taking this agent and the benefit and it's healing this. Totally. Versus like taking the agent and it's expressing through us, amplified, in human form, yeah. wow, here is the power of this agent, like you mentioned, Rose. Yeah. Um, so back to the mushrooms. Uh, I foraged once. Amazing. Just once? Just once. <laughs> We're gonna you, change yeah, that. Yeah, I, I would love to actually. <laughs> yeah. Um, I had some opportunities back in Connecticut when I was in school there. And then I came here and it was pretty dry. So it was kind of hard to find mushrooms. Yeah. But I went with my friend up to like the woods in Malibu where it said, do not enter, mm -hmm. enter at your own risk. Yep. And we went under like the chains and jumped and hopped fences. Epic. And then, we, and then, and then we, we found some crazy, like the biggest mushroom I've ever seen in my life. I don't know which one it was. What it looked but like. But it was like, it, it was the, the, the stem was so thick and it was uh, dark brown. Uh-huh. And, and under it had like this really radiant, like neon color. 
Yeah, amazing. And, and I was like, how, how come visually I've never seen anything like this, but in, throughout when I was foraging, it was beautiful stuff. Yeah. Um, tell me about your experience, one of your first times, or a memorable time you went foraging for mushrooms. One of the first times, well, I used to live in India, so the very, very first time was with, I was living with a family out there in the Himalayas in Dharamsala. It's where the uh, Dalai Lama has his temple. And I was like in the mountains a little bit above that. And I ended up staying there, it was like 30 cents a night. I lived in a room with five other people. And there was an old grandma that like kind of ran the compound and I'd go and milk the cow with her in the morning and make chai. And then one day she was like, we're gonna go morel hunting. And she was like, it's cold, you know, it's like February, March, and now maybe like a little later in the spring, but I'm bundled up. Mm -hmm. And she's like basically barefoot, like, come on, let's go hiking up this mountain. And she's finding morel, morel after morel, and I can't find one damn mushroom. Mm. And I'm like trying, there's that effort piece of like, I've got to find this. I'm scouring the ground, and she's just like, you know, so effortlessly gathering them and picking them and you get any yet? Mm -hmm. Still empty. Um, so it was a really humbling experience. And then I moved to Colorado and tried a few other times. And actually my first two times mushroom hunting there in Colorado, I said, I really just want one morel. Mm -hmm. Was my, well, this is morel hunting. Amazing, rare, wild, delicious culinary mushroom. Um, and both those two times, I literally found one Morel. Mm. <laughs> I was like, be careful what you ask for. You know, I was like, took people out. I'm like sharing all the tips. And it was like, I had called it in. I'm like, I just, at least one, you know, at least one. And that was it. You found one. I found one both times. And I made it delicious. I still brought it home and sauteed it and ate that one mushroom. But they'll really humble you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. They're like, yeah. The more, the more you try to push, the more they move in the opposite direction. And yeah. It's, a metaphor for life. It, and it's sort of what I find, and also through uh, psychedelic, psychedelic medicine, is the surrendering. Yes. The more you push, the more nauseous you're going to be, which is absolutely always for me. I have <laughs> terrible nausea, and then I was like, I need to be alone and just close my eyes and relax and surrender. Yeah. Then it's gone. That's Snap it. of the finger. Yeah. So it, it, there's something to be said about even the internal experience yep. and your external experience when foraging. Yep. It's still the same energy and theme behind that expression. A hundred percent. I had this thing I just thought of that I have to tell you with that surrendering. When I, the second time when I was like, okay, I'm gonna go find one morel and I had searched, searched, searched and I gave up. I was like, I'm standing in the woods. I gave up. I was in a patch of uva ursi, Arctostaphylos, mm -hmm. amazing mm -hmm. plant medicine. And I just like started looking around. I'm like, all right, well, I guess it's still beautiful here and glad to be outside, but it's not my day. And I was probably standing in the same spot for like 10 or 15 minutes. And I looked down and there was a morel like two inches from my foot. Mm -hmm. And I was like, got it. Okay. Talk about like taking that step mm -hmm. to, to just surrender. Just and be. there it is. Yeah. It was the energy of you doing, mm. right? Like yep. there's, it's awesome, right? We, we get through life and be our produ we're productive when we do. Yeah. But when it comes to the subtleties of connecting back to nature, it has to do with being. That's it. And in that state, finally, when you stop doing around the forest, you know, from under the trees and the leaves, and you just stopped and you're like, okay, it came right to you. And it's, I love yeah. that metaphor for life. Um, yes. What can you, there's a lot of people 
I have a lot of questions about this. <laughs> but, there's a, but there's a lot of people who don't understand the significance of mycelium or the, uh, how, how plants talk to each other or mushrooms talk to each other or trees. What does that network or community look like? What is mycelium? Um, what role does it play in the health of the world? Yes. This is a huge and amazing question, but let's just review the basics of the mushroom life cycle so people can understand what we're talking about. So the equivalent, we're all familiar with seeds. The equivalent of a seed in the fungi kingdom is a spore. And a spore, in, given the right environment, basically begins to sprout. And there are these little thread-like hairs called hyphae. Mm -hmm. So the hyphae are these threads. I think of hyphae like... They're tubular, so they're absolutely fascinating and incredible. Think of like the cardiovascular system of the fungi. So what mycelium is, is the connection of these hyphal threads, okay? And very layman's term, this is the root system of a mushroom, which is more like the fruit, right? Mm -hmm. The apple on the tree. But there's this vast, incredible underground network Literally every single step we take on the planet, no matter where you are on Earth, you're stepping on about 300 miles of this mycelial biomass. Every breath we breathe in, we're breathing in about 10 fungal spores, even in this room right now. Wow. Right? So they are in us, they are under us, they're around us. And this, this hyphal network is incredible at sensing and communicating. Okay, so when we step on the planet, this hyphae can actually feel that, and it sends signals to all of the connected species that are within its network. And what I mean by that is 90% of plants on Earth depend on fungi. They have this hyphal connection. So, um, and we used to think that, you know, so very layman's, like think of a, a tree root. And then we used to think there was this mycelium wrapped around the tree and wrapped around those roots. And there's this exchange that happens. So plants can't live without fungi and fungi can't live without plants. It's this amazing, or at least this type of, of fungi that, that we're speaking of, mm -hmm. mycorrhizal fungi. Mm -hmm. So myco being mushroom and, and rhizal being root. like root, mm -hmm. right? So they live in connection with each other. And it's this amazing relationship because the mycelium, right, these mycorrhizal, they can't photosynthesize, right? They can't get sugars externally from the sun like plants can. So the plants photosynthesize and they take their sugars and they direct them down and they give them in exchange to this hyphal network. And what the hyphae is doing is bringing water and bringing more importantly nutrients into the tree itself, right, or into the plant. And so there's this exchange happening, you know, sugars, water, and nutrients, sugars, mm -hmm. water, and nutrients. And they're actually interconnected more than just these two separate beings that have this kind of relationship of give and take. And so what we found now is when you microscopically look at any part of a plant, whether that's like a little corner cell of a leaf or within the bark of the tree, there will be mycorrhizal fungi within it. Wow. And so it literally embeds itself through these cells. I mean, and there's constant communication happening. All of this sensing, it's like uh, a networking ecosystem that is delivering messages to keep whatever forest or garden alive and thriving and healthy. Mm. And it's just brilliant. 
you know? Whoa. And, and it's, it's a sensitivity system, basically, that it yes. just brings signals to every, to, to pressure of steps or, or any movement or shake. So it's, it's like an alarm system yes. as much as it is a, a codependent energy system. That's it. And, and I love it. So to be clear, it's not just in the root of trees. It embeds itself throughout the whole plant. Correct. So where we can see it primarily is like if you dig in soil, you can see right. these big uh, kind of hyphal knots, they're called, when they get almost to be visible and turn into a mushroom. Uh, but yeah, it's all within the ground. And then there is invisible to the human eye, but these threads of mycorrhizal even within plants themselves mm. beyond that root. So if I develop a special uh, x-ray visualization camera yes and and i took a drone over a piece of the forest and i could see the mycelium network would it be the whole floor of the forest yes and the network itself it would be completely embedded within the floor and the network if you could use that new amazing machinery that you're going to invent and create mm -hmm. and take a picture of it the pattern is similar to a couple other patterns that exist in the world mm. And this is really interesting. Do you want to guess what pattern it resembles? Uh, Fibonacci spirals. Oh, love that. Yeah, I mean, sacred geometry through all of it. But when you look at this mycelial network, it looks almost identical to the human brain. Wow. To the internet and to the universe. Whoa. Oof. So it's, I mean, talk about brilliance and wisdom and interconnectivity. There's so much going on. And I think within the world of mycology, we're just brushing the surface of the potential, not only for ecological benefits, but also harvesting this mycelium for all sorts of environmental solutions. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I've heard, and you just said environmental solutions, they've taken this mycelium and using it for materials now. Yes. Different materials, I think I saw um, a, a different way to like pack boxes or like, um, say for example, like the Chipotle boxes that we eat from can yeah. be mycelium based. Yep. I, I heard that they're moving into like just that part of the consumer goods. Yeah, it's super exciting. There's all sorts of those type like biomaterials, kind mm -hmm. of alternative to styrofoam. There's an amazing company called Mycoworks that's making mycelium leather. I heard of that. So Stella McCartney just did bags with them and they have a, a new shoe out. And uh, yeah, there's a new company in Boulder called Meaty and they're actually making mycelium meat. Wow. And so it's, you know, less than five wow. ingredients, which is so different than the impossibles and beyonds out there. And it's incredible. I, it's not out on the market yet, but it will be soon. And I tasted it, and I've been a plant-based eater for like 20 years, and it was too realistic. Really? Really? They make a steak, and you cut the steak, and it bleeds. It's like a full... Mycelium. Oh, just mycelium. Oh, that's pretty crazy, huh? It's like mycelium and some spices. Yeah, I, I, that's crazy. wild. I would, hey, I, I, you get those people in touch with me, and I'll, my palate will we'll give it a taste, too. I'd love Let's to try go. it. But I also heard yoga mats are coming out. Myceliums are coming in as yoga mats, too. Amazing. So it's, it's pretty incredible, um, the mushroom boom. Right? Yes. Because when I was in school, and like probably right when you were in school, we were learning, there was a small piece of mycology. Mm -hmm. I remember, but I learned like about like shiitake and reishi and maitake and maybe some cordyceps in there, yeah. mine's main. And uh, I didn't learn the full spectrum of how powerful it is. But mm -hmm. what I notice is 
maybe I, maybe over like 2018, it started creeping in more, right? And yeah. and I, I started hearing about like these mushroom tinctures coming out more. Oh, now we're making mushroom teas. Now there's more alternatives. By like 2019, there was like that was the boom was in effect. Would you agree? Totally. Yeah. yeah. And and it's and it's why are we? What's happening? What is, is is consciousness shifting? Are we becoming more in touch with nature? Are just businessmen seeing an opportunity to go into mushrooms? What, what in your expertise is shifting? There's a couple of things going on. The first is the state of where we are as humanity right now. There, I would say, has never been a time where collectively we are more stressed than we are today. And especially in the past couple years, we have never cared so much about long-term immune system health, right? It's been, I want the quick, sexy, I want the nootropic, I want the performance, and yeah, stress and immune health, whatever, backseat, especially in this country, right? We're very focused on like, time is money. The more you can get done and say in an hour, the better. And where our fungi, especially this group of functional mushrooms, there's about 700 species that are functional. Mm -hmm. Many of them, kind of the key players that have really taken the spotlight in the past couple years, are known as adaptogens. Mm -hmm. And what adaptogens do is, I mean, very simply, they're non-toxic, non-specific species that are normalizing, they're balancing, they help us deal with stressors. And then the mushrooms themselves are also immune modulators. So we have this dual benefit going on where they're long-term stress support, long-term immune support, and you look at what we need, and I would say arguably like all of us could use support with that in one way or another. Mm -hmm. And it's reminding me of this story, as you might have heard this, but like plants or fungi will kind of appear based on what you need. Mm. So I used to live in this cabin in Colorado and it was this like cute little yellow spot with big gardens. I was caretaking for an English gardener. And when I got there, there was Melissa officinalis, lemon balm, mm-hmm. everywhere. Mm. And it wasn't in any of the neighbor's yards. But it was all over yours. It was all over mine. And I called this landlord, Anne, why, why'd you plant all this lemon balm? She said, you know, it's really interesting. I didn't plant it. It just started appearing when the last guy was living at the house. Mm. I said, oh, tell me about him. She said, oh, he was really depressed. Mm. He was really low. Lemon balm is one of our premier herbal antidepressants. Mm. And it showed up. And there's stories like this. I mean, that's one little example all the time about what we need and nature kind of revealing itself. Yeah, incredible to think like that. And, and we don't, we just kind of like walk past these beautiful plants and herbs and yeah. all of these opportunities to just listen. And a big, a big part of why I say we're so sick is we're so disconnected from our nature. But yeah. what does it mean to be connected to nature? Okay, we can like walk through the woods, go on a hike every weekend. But for me, being connected to nature is having an eye for something like that. Yeah. Going like, why is lemon balm growing over here, yes. you know, maybe 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 I should ask myself why kava's all over me. Maybe it's maybe I need to take a chill pill for a little bit. Yeah, it's always everywhere I go. Kava, 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 kava. Interesting. Yeah. So I, but but I'm, I can be chill but high strung at the same time. So yeah. uh, especially when I'm in work mode. But 
It's been a long time since I promoted a coffee because there's not that many good coffee brands. We got one of the best ones now on Heal Thyself. Are you ready to elevate your coffee game? And experience a brew that's not only delicious, but it's also health focused. Let me introduce you to Purity Coffee. You heard me review them in one of my first ever coffee reviews as one of the best, and then my second ever one as one of the best. And it's one of the best still. It's an ultimate choice for coffee lovers who, who prioritize taste as well as well being. I'm gonna tell you what makes Purity Coffee stand out from the crowd. Every step in that process is rooted in health focused principles backed by solid scientific research based rigorous testing. They use the finest specialty grade organic Arabica beans and then move on to small batch roasting, ensuring that each cup meets the highest standards of quality. But what really sets Purity Coffee apart from all the other coffee brands is their dedication, is my favorite, is their dedication to purity and safety. Their beans undergo third-party testing to ensure they're free of pesticides, toxins, and harmful mycotoxins, those pesky substances that can wreak havoc on your health, causing issues like liver and kidney damage, digestive problems, brain fog, and fatigue. Purity Coffee also has some of the highest antioxidant capacity, and this is important because we have to understand coffee is actually really good for us when we're getting quality coffee. And the reason it's good for us and ensures so many benefits, especially heart health, is because of its antioxidant capacity. Purity has one of the highest antioxidants that you're going to find in coffee, giving you a powerful dose of healthy boosting compounds with every sip. Purity Coffee is grown on regenerative organic farms that prioritize soil health, animal welfare, and community well-being. They have certifications by USDA Organic, Rainforest Alliance, and Smithsonian Bird Friendly. You can also trust Purity Coffee is not only good for you, but also good for the planet. They have a range of roasts from their light medium roasts with sweet fruity notes and their dark roasts with rich bold taste. So to try out one of my favorite coffees in existence and one that I recommend to everyone still to this day, I've been doing it for years, is Purity Coffee. Go to puritycoffee.com and use the code DRG for 30% off of your first purchase. That is P-U-R-I-T-Y-C-O-F-F-E-E.com and use the code DRG for 30% off of your order. You know, living a long life is great. It is. We all want to live longer. But what's even better is living those years in good health, right? Free of the chronic diseases and the ailments. Unfortunately for many, the gap between lifespan and health span is way too wide. And we spent our last years ill, not enjoying our life to the fullest. And that's why I'm always into research-based products, quality supplements that are coming out to you, the highest, the best of the best, some of the best rigorously tested supplements. And one of my favorite companies across the board is Momentus. And they have two that I use every single day, creatine and collagen. These are the two powerhouses at work. I've been open. Opened and I've been working out more four times a week. I'm lifting heavy weights. And these are staples. And, I, and not just me. I think everyone should be out working out, building muscle. Staples to muscle repair and muscle growth. But what sets Momentus apart from the rest is its clinically researched formulas. For the collagen, it delivers 15 grams of collagen, supporting your body in various ways. And it's not just one type of collagen, it's all the types of collagen, right? A lot of companies just have one type of collagen. You want all the types of your body's absorbing and utilizing this collagen the way you desire the body to use it. But boy, oh boy, the gold standard for working out, if you're not on this, you don't even have to be working out. You can use it for your brain. It's creatine. The momentous creatine is fantastic. There's no fillers, no additive, pure, effective ingredients you can trust. Trust is everything when it comes to supplements. Momentous third-party test. There's no surprises. What you see on the package is what you get. So if you're like me, you want to feel your body with the best of the best, go to livemomentous.com and use the code DRG for 15% off of creatine and collagen and all their top-notch products. That is L-I-V-E-M-O-M-E-N-T-O-U-S.com with the code DRG for your discount. When it comes to uh, buying mushrooms, and I know that you're really in this world with Four Sigmatic. Yes. There's a lot of controversy about how companies are selling their mushroom formulas. 
Mm -hmm. And I want to set the record straight. Let's go. <laughs> so, so there's this, this war of controversy between fruiting bodies and mycelium, both, one or the other. Yep. In your expertise, how should we approach uh, supporting a company when they make mushroom formulas? Great question. My approach is let's look at the lineage and let's look at nature as our teachers. So how are these offered out in the wild? And how have our ancestors been using these species for some of them thousands of years? And that is, I mean, that's the gold standard. And so what that means is we use the real mushroom. So the mycelium, amazing environmentally, ecologically, biomaterial wise, there's so much going on there. When it comes to our health, we need to use the real mushroom, the fruiting mm. body. You know, it's like with psilocybin, you don't take the mycelium because we know there's no psilocybin in there, right? You have to use the real fruiting body. I don't know why that connection isn't made as much with the functional varieties. Mm -hmm. But the real mushroom is what presents itself out in nature, right? So we talk about that lemon bomb example. That's what the that's what nature is showing us. That's what we can see with our human eye. So it's the part of the mushroom with functional varieties. They primarily grow from trees. So it'll be a part on the outside of the tree. Um, and it's, it's the apple of the tree. It's the fruit. It's the last stage of reproduction mm -hmm. right before it bears the spores. So we have to use the fruiting body and we have to use mushrooms that are grown on wood. Mm. So this is really big. A lot of brands are growing mushrooms on different grains that these species never evolved to, to grow on. Mm -hmm. So we're seeing mushrooms grown on oat and rice and wheat and barley, you name it. But these are tree-growing mushrooms. And so their compounds are directly from the woods that they're growing on. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like we are what we eat. Yeah. We already talked about mushrooms. We're very similar to them. 40, 50% of our DNA is shared. And like we mentioned, they can't photosynthesize. Mm -hmm. So they literally are what they eat. So mm -hmm. getting them from wood, log-grown, wild-harvested is absolutely critical. And then the third thing we're seeing a lot in the marketplace are non-extracted mushrooms. And if you remember that mushroom you found in the woods, yeah. it sounds like it was some sort of polypore, like really tough. Tough. It, yeah. it was like stuck in there. It didn't move. It was, we didn't even take it out. We were like, okay, just live with, we might as well leave this guy. He's been he's very, there. very aesthetically <laughs> beautiful and, but he ain't moving either. Yes. And that's the deal. When we see these mushrooms growing on trees, they're very different than the culinary varieties. They're tough. They're conky. They almost feel more like a tree bark. Mm. And the body can't process. There's this compound bound within the cell wall of these mushrooms called, all mushrooms, called chitin, and our bodies can't process that and break it down. And so without extracting a mushroom, it's almost like eating insoluble fiber, mm. right? You're just letting it pass through. It's not bad. We know fiber's amazing, but you're not able to access all of the incredible benefits, these constituents that enable it to support our immune system, our stress response, our brain, our physical energy, you know, you name it based mm -hmm. on the species. And so... Yeah, if there's like anything to vet out there, it's we've got to use the fruiting body yeah. coming from wood and extracted properly. And then we, that's kind of the, the trifecta. Mm, perfect. Thank you for clearing that up because there's a lot of people who make cases that, no, we use the mycelium also and it's grown on rice. Yeah. Um, 
But then, like, how much of what's in the capsule is rice starch? That's it. You know, and mycelia, but versus fruiting body. Give me the goods. I want the strong stuff. I want the therapeutic constituents that I'm essentially wanting to take when it says the label on the bottle, and that's what I'm taking. Yeah. Um, you can open the capsules, too. I do this in my, like, first mycology class with my students. A lot of times if you see a bottle and it's hidden within a capsule, you don't really know what's in it. And so... If you're purchasing a mycelium product on rice, open it up, taste it, see how that feels and tastes in your body versus a fruiting body that's been long grown and extracted. Boom, your body will tell you the difference. Really, you can feel it. It's like it's like eating a graham cracker versus like a really rich bitter tea. Like, oh, wow. Pucker factor. I yeah. mean, Night and day. But that's how it should be. That's how it should you be. You should feel like the medicine go, whoa, that's really strong. Some of the strongest yes. herbs I've ever taken tasted horrible. Yeah. And I don't remember which ones in school. I, I, which one was like the worst tasting herb you've had? Because it might have been, because <sighs> uh, I There's remember taking lot. it and I was flat. like, I think it was a leaf um, that I had. And, and I, I don't remember which one, but I took it in school and I was like, whew, I, like this is borderline like me sweating. Actually, oh I remember I, like when I tasted real echinacea, yeah. My mouth and tongue were numb. That's it. Versus like, you know, I was going to like this local CVS at the time to get echinacea when I was sick. And it had no effect like that. But the mm -hmm. real echinacea, I was like, this is what it feels like. I think it was from, at the time, Standard Process. Yep. Which makes some pretty good herbs, or Mediherb. Yep. Um, strong stuff, but strong. like... Strong. The alkalides, they like tingle your whole Yes, mouth. you feel it. And oh, uh, wormwood was, you know what I used to do actually? Strong. In my old place in Venice, I have, I still have the bottle of wormwood from Mediherb. Uh-huh. And anyone who would come would have to do a shot of wormwood. And um, this is their initiation. It was their initiation <laughs> to, 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 to this like health health themed house. And there was a lot of people who were like, oh my God, uh, super strong. But that's yep. for me, back to that, it's it's a lot of these herbs that have that when they're real and they have therapeutic or mushrooms, therapeutic value, you feel it. You yeah. know, it's not going down like a graham cracker. Yeah. It's going down like that bitter tea, and you're like, okay, this is doing something to my body. I feel it already. Right. Yeah, it's amazing and stuff. That's why the taste, I mean, in all traditional systems of medicine, we would taste our medicine. Yeah. So talk about connection. I mean, yeah, we talk about connection to, to nature, but also connection to what we're eating. And I find it's so easy to not pay attention to what you're consuming if it's hidden within a capsule. Now, since we're jumping from herbs to mushrooms, because that's that's what you do, and yep. I, lo I love herbs and I love mushrooms, um, what are some of your favorite, you mentioned adaptogens, what are some of your favorite adaptogenic herbs and mushrooms where the viewers and listeners can go, hey, you know, I, maybe I can start taking these if, if they, they're clear for me and they're safe for me, um, and, and why do you like them specifically? Yeah. The first, it's always so interesting when I get asked this question, like, what's your favorite? It's different every time, right? It's different based on that moment, that day, what my body's needing, and so I'll tell everyone, take my advice with a grain of salt because I believe in bio-individualism, mm -hmm. right? Every body is different mm -hmm. and unique. That said, in this moment, the first herb that was like, oh, I want this, I want to be talked about, was Tulsi, mm. Oximum Sanctum, Holy Basil. And it's such a overlooked herb. You know, it's in the mint family, Lamiaceae, which is the same as lemon balm and mm -hmm. spearmint and peppermint and so many of our common herbs. So it feels like a easier kind of entry point instead of 
something that's really foreign to people. So I just think this is a mint. It's like a cousin of the mint you might cook with, but it's called holy basil, right? It grows in India and is revered. It's on every altar in India. It's known as the, this wisdom herb. So it connects mind, body, and spirit, which really relates to this conversation today. And it's much more gentle than many adaptogens can be. So mm-hmm. there's this spectrum, right? There's adaptions that are, are kind of pushy. We have like our ginsengs and aluthro. And- I love those. Those are like the pushy <laughs> ones. No, but holy basil to me has always been one of the more gentle ones That's that it. I give people, even at night. Yes. That, that, that it's, it's a lot just more like, and you could see people's constitutions that this is, uh, really good for you. Right. Um, but go on, I'm sorry. No, that's it. It's, you know, based on, I'm, I'm bringing it up today because no matter what body type you are, constitution, dosha, whichever practice you follow, holy basil is a really safe, accessible place to start. You know, it's almost like watering or nourishing these foundational systems of our body, like kind of I don't know, I'm thinking of like dancing with our chi Mm -hmm. to bring about that greater life force, that greater vitality. I'd start with Tulsi. I guess similar to that would be ashwagandha. Mm -hmm. Um, It's another adaption that's really gentle, also comes from Ayurveda, from India. And yeah, you could take it at night. And I think it is relevant that we're talking about how both of us want, I'm very pitta and energetic. Me too. Yeah, let's da-da-da-da-da, totally. Um, But often... Instead of people want to prop up, right? We talked about like they want more caffeine or the lion's mane. But really where we can get that true full power, vitality, energy is from what we do the night before. Mm. So if we can take Tulsi, if we can take ashwagandha, if we can actually rest and nourish our system, we can get that full night of sleep and wake up ideally with the vigor that we're looking for instead of needing to rely on a a plant medicine to get us there. Right. And that's the goal. It's like, let's use these as allies temporarily. And hopefully if you've been using whatever plant or mushroom for a period of time, after a couple weeks, your body has shifted Mm -hmm. and you don't need that same medicine or maybe you need a different dose or you switch it up. And so the message is to continue listening to your body, knowing that you're changing and adapting and then always support the root. Right? Yeah. Support what's the night before to have energy the next day, or the root of our body being our immune system and our gut health, you know, before putting band-aids on symptoms. So I just caution with adaptogens to to look at them as root-based support instead of I'm gonna grab that and continue to rely on it to get me where I need to do or to get me where I need to go that day. It's a good day. way to look, good way to look at it for sure, because we want to take the next herbal tincture or capsule or tea that's going to buzz us up before the gym. Yep. Versus like really, like you said, taking it the night before, getting a good night's sleep, right? Relaxing into it, building that vitality through like your own natural mechanisms. Yeah. We always want like the coffee fix, but like what's the natural now, like natural substance that we can take? What's a, what's a mushroom equivalent of coffee? Yeah. Or the, the herbal equivalent of what tincture? I remember when I, when I was younger, I used to work at this um, pharmacy, mm-hmm. but it was an integrated pharmacy. So it had like so many supplements and, and cool. I was the practitioner there. And I kid you not, the majority of people Aside from the women who were older who wanted to know how to look younger, and they're like, how do I get rid of these wrinkles? I was like, oh, honey. I was like, you had to have came to me 20 years ago, you uh-huh. know? But 
uh, they, uh, most people just want to know, how do I get more energy? Yeah. Like, what, show me what supplement can give me energy. Mm -hmm. I was like, I don't think it works that way, mm -hmm. you know? And that's, that's what you're sort of elucidating is yeah. getting to the root. So with things like these adaptogens, it can relax our stress. So then we're better at night, getting better sleep, waking up in the morning, refresh, rejuvenated. Yeah. I've always been like that with holy basil, shizandra, ashwagandha. I've been like, yeah, but I've always been drawn to like the ones that really buzz me, like the cordyceps and rhodiola, where I'm just like, doing sprints around my neighborhood, <laughs> you know? But, yep. uh, but, but that's also like the American way that we see things. What can I take for this to really, you know, push, 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 push? Yeah, we are programmed to be more pitta, right? So if you talked about doshas before, mm -hmm. right? We have these three doshas. We're taught that the more we do, the more energy, that's success. But in places like India, they're taught that kapha or this earth energy, the more you can sit and meditate and not be distracted, that's the goal, that's success. Wow. So we have to reprogram and be like, okay, what are we taking to get to the place? Is it really where we want to get to? Mm -hmm. Or is that some other definition of success? And how does it feel in your body, right? Exactly. Which is like sort of your biggest compass of, is this my, my truth, mm. right? Because you put me in India, I'm like, oh God, this feels way better. Uh -huh. <laughs> I feel so grounded. I'm like, oh, this is me, welcome, hi, well, to, nice to meet me, you know what I mean? Yep. Versus like, wow, I got my whole checklist done for the day. Mm -hmm. That energy can be really suffocating. I know uh, Lion's Mane has boosted in popularity. It is uh, still today one of my favorite mushrooms because uh, I feel it yeah. most. Uh, um, but um, what, uh, what are some of your favorite um, benefits of lion's mane? Be be besides like, okay, yeah, it increases my focus. Everyone knows that. What else have you found that lion's mane is really good at? I'm going to tell you a story about this because I think it speaks louder than a lot of the research out there. Um, so lion's mane is nicknamed the nerve mushroom, right? How it's acting with the body is activating nerve growth factor, and it can do that within the blood-brain barrier, which is why it's really touted for being the one mushroom that's a nootropic and have all, has all these cognitive benefits. But that nerve regeneration can happen everywhere within the body. I met this guy in Colorado. He was doing all this cool work with bees and mushrooms, and he got in a bad snowboarding accident. He lost nerve function in the entire left side of his body. He went to different Western doctors, all sorts of doctors, and they said, there's nothing we can do. Your nerves are shot. You can go to PT, but good luck. And for two years, consistently, religiously, he did his PT and he took high doses, so somewhere around like five, six grams mm. of extracted fruited bo fruiting body lion's mane every day. And that's when I had met him. It had been like a year and a half, two years after this story. And he told me this, he had full nerve function restored, except for like a little bit above his wow. eyebrow because of some scar tissue. Wow. Now let's chat about something crucial, that is omega-3s. You know I'm all about keeping clean and pure when it comes to products, as well as food on my plate. But when it comes to supplements, right, we have to make sure we have the best of the best, but especially when it comes to omega-3s. And, and I really mean it. Omega-3s are some of the most adulterated supplements that exist out there. And a lot of companies aren't doing it right. We need omega-3s for our heart, for our brain, for our eye health. You might not be getting enough nutritionally. When it comes to Peori, 
It's a quality brand, not only just with Omegas across their whole line. They're extremely transparent. Every batch undergoes rigorous testing against over 200 contaminants, and you could check the results for yourself. And that's one of my favorite things. You can scan the QR code and look at the batch that is right in front of you that is on your shelf or in your counter, and you can see the results for this quality testing. Puree's O3 Ultra Pure Fish Oil delivers a potent dose of EPA and DHA without any unnecessary extras. Now, Puree is offering 20% off of their O3 Ultra Pure Fish Oil, the one that I take every single morning, and all their fantastic products to you, the Heal Thyself listener. That's 20% off even the already discounted subscription price. I want you to go to Puree.com. Use my promo code DRG. That's P-U-O-R-I.com slash DRG to take care of your health with some of the best omegas out there by Puree. These days... These days, it seems like everyone is carrying on a beverage, whether it's soda or flavored water, or kombucha, or coffee or tea. But not all beverages are created equal when it comes to quality and health benefits. That is why I become obsessed with Peaks Sun Goddess Matcha. I've been using this for, it's one of the first supplements I really invested in. It's four years ago, probably. And it's not just any old matcha powder. We're talking organic ceremonial grade matcha tea that has been meticulously screened for pesticides, heavy metals, mold, and even radioactive isotopes. Peak takes no shortcuts. Their matcha is cultivated by ninth degree tea masters in Kagoshima, Japan, using century old traditions. Their plants are shaded for 35% longer than usual to maximize the production of vital compounds like L-theanine for calm, steady energy and chlorophyll for its detoxifying anti-aging properties. I start every morning with a frothy cup of sun goddess matcha, not just for energizing my body. You know, we all want to get that caffeine kick. Yeah, okay. But for the amazing gut health, metabolism boosting, and antioxidant benefits. The phytonutrients nurture my digestive system. The EGCG compounds help my body burn calories efficiently. And the chlorophyll gives my skin the awesome reading. You see I'm glowing right now, right? That's because of the matcha. There's perfectly proportioned packets that are easy to mix with water whenever I need to pick me up. So easy to make a consistent self-care ritual. Peak is offering you, the Heal Thyself listener, 15% off of their sun goddess matcha plus a free beaker and a rechargeable frother when you go to peaklife.com slash DRG. They're so confident that you're going to love it. There's even a 30-day money-back guarantee. No code at checkout. Just go to P-I-Q-U-E-L-I-F-E.com slash DRG. You're going to get 15% off plus all those freebies. But it was amazing. It was in the flesh, this regrowth, you know, this amazing, like, vitality that the lion's mane was able to assist in bringing him back to a full functioning, you know, nerve feeling vital being. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, so for all sorts of athletes or injuries, I've worked with it a lot. People have like nerve pain in their neck and um, yeah, you can think of lion's mane to support. There's some really cool new research coming out about lion's mane for sleep, speaking Mm. of. So taking it before you go to bed and the nerve regeneration properties that it can have while you're resting. Uh, so I think still tons to discover. Yeah. Uh, I noticed with the lion's mane, I was w- scared to take it before bed because I know when I, I get pretty focused when I'm on it, especially when yeah. I take a lot of it. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh no, it's going to really activate my brain. Uh, and then I saw, at first I started hearing people that they're sleeping better. Yep. And then I saw some like preliminary research that, yeah, you know, it is actually helping. And then I learned that it, actually helps you get into deeper REM sleep. Yes. So uh, I was hearing a lot that people were having dreams, more dreams with Lion's Mane. I was like, this is pretty friggin' wild. It's amazing. Yeah, it, it, it's amazing stuff. Um, do you do you like Reishi for sleep? Do you like Reishi for before bed? Reishi's like the queen, right? Reishi's the queen. Reishi's the queen. Yeah. 
I, before joining forces with Four Sigmatic, I never took reishi in the evening. Um, I think it, we've kind of put it in that box and you're like, yeah, amazing premier stress support. And so it's a great thing to take before you go to bed because often what keeps us awake and our nervous system firing at night is because we are still stressed. Mm -hmm. uh, but reishi has more research than any other functional yeah. mushroom. I mean, it is, it is the queen. It's the longevity mushroom. It's been called the 10,000 year mushroom. Um, it's been revered for the way it can really interact with our body based on what we need. So when you think about this word adaptogen, like what can we take to really bring about our life force in so many different areas, whether it's, you know, supporting being anti-inflammatory, antiviral, antimicrobial, antibacterial, like reishi covers the entire gamut. Mm -hmm. And then why we call out reishi for stress support is it's a more unique ability for reishi than it is in these other functional mushrooms. So it's like they all have certain compounds in common mm -hmm. that then make them similar in their effect in our body. So, mm. you know, they all are supporting our immune system. They all have this general ability to, to adapt to our systems. But reishi really profoundly can bring us into this state of, it's not sedative in any way, but get us out of that fight or flight state mm. so that the rest of our body can activate. It's like turning our bodies out of airplane mode so that everything else can turn yeah. on again. Yeah, really powerful stuff too. And to know that it's like the, one of the best research ones, we use it a lot in the hospital that I worked at, uh, along with like shiitake, uh, sometimes Amazing. maitake, but a lot for the cancer uh, patients that we were yes. working with every single day. And I was so happy to see like so much research. That's when I really dove into the reishi research. And it's it's one of my, it's like the queen, right? It's like forever a favorite, you yes. know? Um, when people say, oh, I can't take these mushrooms because I have autoimmune disease. I have a hyperactive immune system. I know it's different for everyone. It's not true for everyone. Um, but what is your opinion on that? Can, can people who have an overactive immune system safely take mushrooms, um, just generally speaking? Generally speaking, yeah. We're all like, talk to your healthcare practitioner. Talk to your healthcare <laughs> practitioner, of course. No, no medical advice. Generally speaking, the main group of compounds in our functional mushrooms is polysaccharides, this complex sugar chain called beta-D-glucans, and they're immunomodulating, right? So they can either stimulate or downregulate the expression of immune activity. And what makes that so incredible is that in autoimmune bodies, there is overactive immune activity, yeah. right? So you can take an immunomodulating mushroom, and it's not immunosuppressive, which is what you know most of the pharmaceuticals, these autoimmune individuals are put on that weaken their immune system so much so then they become vulnerable to every antigen out yeah, there. Yeah. Instead, these functional mushrooms modulate. So they are able to tamper down the immune response, but not to the point that the body is suppressed, that it's mm. deficient. Similarly, in that autoimmune body, you know, if there is a time that they're compromised or they're flu season, cold yeah. season, they're around a bunch of people, that same functional mushroom can stimulate immune activity, but only to a point that is regulating, that's an equilibrium for their body. Mm. So among the entire field of, you know, we have several thousand medicinal plants around the world, I would say the few functional mushrooms that are, we were speaking of today, the reishi, cordyceps, lion's mane, chaga, these are what I would turn to as the safest option for 
autoimmune conditions. Mm, mm, amazing. Because, yeah. Because they, it's immune, immune modulating, yes. which is something that I think we need to like really understand because a lot of people are, no, I don't know. You know, I know that I've heard that it, it, it'll be better for my immune system. People take these mushrooms when they're sick. Mm. I, I can't take it because I have autoimmune. One thing I want to clear up is uh, where do cordyceps come from? <laughs> I think people need, need to know this. Yeah. Cordyceps are the exception when we talked about our mushrooms growing from trees. So out in the wild, they drop their spores on different insects. So the, one of the original species it was found on was the Himalayan bat moth, but there's many, many varieties of cordyceps. This guy in China is growing like 91 different varieties of cordyceps from his home. So there's lots of them, but what they do is they use insects as their substrate, so as their food source mm. instead of the tree. Mm. And it's pretty wild what happens. So the spore drops on these little insects and the insect for the first time in its life is prompted to climb up a tree. So it starts climbing up this tree and only at a certain altitude, at this certain point of its height climbing up, the cordyceps fungus decides to capture the brain of this insect Crazy. and sprout a fruiting body, so the mushroom itself, out of the insect's brain. And from that place, right, we talked about the fruiting body being like the apple that has the seeds, it can distribute its spores from a higher place, meaning its spores can be distributed further. It's pretty crazy, you know, you see these cordyceps bodies and it's like a dead insect and then this mushroom growing out of it. It's crazy. Yeah, you know, there's a crazy BBC clip on it, you know, it's like David Attenborough, the cordyceps mushroom, <laughs> amazing. <laughs> what you find out in the marketplace is not the wild cordyceps. Okay. It became really toxic. There was a kind of black market that formed around wild cordyceps. It's really sad. There's like Nepalese children, Tibetan children, because they are only found up in the Himalayas, yeah. above 13,000 feet, really, really rare. And all these local people started gathering them because literally gram for gram, they were worth more than the cost of gold. Whoa. So I never encourage using wild cordyceps. Um, instead, they are one of the few species that you can cultivate using a substrate in a lab. A lot of times people will use a grain that's been doctored up with all sorts of other minerals and compounds that mimic what that cordyceps is growing on, mm -hmm. you know, what the insect's body possesses. Yeah, yeah. As the story goes, you know, these were sprouting up off these insects' bodies in the Himalayas, and Sherpas, mountain climbers, they would go hike up into these high altitudes, and they saw their yaks first, right? These, like, big furry yaks mm -hmm. munching on the cordyceps, and the yaks instantly would go into heat. Oh, like, really? within 15, 30 minutes. Really? And they're like, okay, what's the deal with our horny yaks? And they started realizing, okay, it's, it's munching on this little cordyceps thing. And they started using it themselves and realized, whoa, I have more energy. Uh, my endurance has improved. I can breathe better. Yeah. Cordyceps has an amazing affinity for the lungs. Yeah. And so it became, you know, this athlete mushroom, endurance mushroom, physical energy without the stimulant, without the caffeine that so many of us turn to for those same benefits. It's one of my favorite ones before workouts, um, even after workouts, whatever it is. And sometimes when I'm like uh, really overwhelmed and crazy running around, I forget to breathe. 
Yep. So it's one thing that helps me come back to the body and be like, oh man, like I'm back in my lungs, you know? It feels, cordyceps is like, it's amazing for me. So you got um, involved with Four Sigmatic. And um, as I was telling you off air, I saw some certificates of analysis. You guys do wonderful work, um, especially when the heavy metals come into play. Yeah. And that's always a concern when it comes to mushrooms. Uh, would you say they, they sort of like, uh, just heavy metals have an affinity for mushrooms? They suck them up? Is it because how they're processed? Like, we can't just buy mushrooms off the shelf at mm -hmm. Costco. Not to say they're not great, they might be great. We need to be more educated. Um, is heavy metals a problem in mushrooms that you find, that you find in your work? Big time. So. Mushrooms are bioaccumulators, which means they absorb a lot from the medium or the substrate that they're growing from. And this can be really beneficial. There's some really cool research happening environmentally where we're finding that this, there's a whole field called mycoremediation, right? The ability for like oysters, for example, to oyster mushrooms, pleurotus species, to pull up different toxins and heavy metals from a given area. And so with great success, it's like, mm -hmm. whoa, it's amazing. They can, you know, there's an oil spill, you inoculate mushroom spores and they're able to clean that up and then concentrate it into the fruit. When it comes to our bodies, our health, we have to be very acutely concerned and aware that we're not ingesting a bunch of heavy metals. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, organic is really only the first like shield, right? You can have organic mushrooms and there can still be heavy metals in them. They can accumulate pesticides, herbicides, um, irradiation. So third-party testing, these COAs, Certificate of Analysis, become really, really important to ensure that we're actually getting the benefits that we're, we're looking for, right? Mm -hmm. And we're not eating something thinking it's a health food and then turns out it's a non-organic, heavy metal littered fruiting body. Mm -hmm. Important, really important information that you that you put out. Before we wrap up, I want to mention about uh, talk about chaga. In my estimation, maybe it's different reality for you. Doesn't get enough love. Yeah. What is it that you love about chaga? There's some crazy research that I was reading about it that there's a uh, a connection to melanin and yes. chaga. Yes. Which when when I read it, I was I stopped what I was reading. I was like, what the hell am I reading? This yeah. is crazy. And then I continued reading, and I was like, what the hell am I reading? But maybe you can before we wrap up give some love to chaga, which I feel like doesn't get enough love. Absolutely. So where reishis are queen, chagas are king. And it really deserves that title of being the king of mushrooms. It does contain melanin. It also contains sod, superoxide dismutase. Mm -hmm. um, its antioxidants are off the charts, the amount of antioxidant properties that this fungus contains. It grows off birch trees, and you're right, you're probably reading Russian research because mm -hmm. it's primarily found in Siberia. Yeah. Um, there's the largest birch forest in the world. It's massive. It's like bigger than the continental U.S. It's called the taiga, and that's where we at Forzigmatic source all our, our chaga. So it's really unique. It's actually, the fruiting body is very rare. So what we're consuming with chaga, it's still visible, but it's one of the only species where it's a mycelial biomass called a conch, or a sclerotium, and it's literally growing off the side of the tree, and the fruiting body only happens like once every decade or even more rarely. I've never seen it in the wild. I've only even seen pictures. So mm. chaga, you want to look for the conch. It's, you know, there's all these exceptions. We're like, fruiting body always, and then... Anyways, so the conch of the chaga, and when you extract it properly, and it's growing from birch trees out in the wild, it has more antioxidants than any food on the planet. 
And so, yeah, we have this really cool chart. Maybe we'll put it in the footnotes mm. um, of these foods that we think are really powerful with their antioxidant properties, like acai and cacao, blueberry, and then chaga. And it's just mind-blowing. And when we think about, again, it's like not as sexy off the bat. Like, ooh, cool, all these antioxidants. When you were talking about that woman that came into the pharmacy and was like, how can I, you know, get these wrinkles out of my eyes? It's like, well, let's flood the system with antioxidants from the inside out. Um, And chaga has an affinity for beauty and uh, a lot of skin benefits. But really, you know, free radicals are... It's like we age, we're exposed to the sun, we exercise. I mean, we're constantly needing to combat excess free radicals. And chaga, I just think of chaga as this like big, powerful, like army defender coming in and attacking free radicals, right? Get It's like targeting the bad guys, getting them all out of the way, and then replenishing our system with this massive amount of powerful anti-inflammatory antioxidants Mm. to support really overall well-being. What's your favorite mushrooms to cook with? Mm. In my fridge right now, I have anoki and king trumpet. I've been making scallops, essentially, Mm -hmm. out of the king trumpet. So it's been like my favorite new thing. You take the stalk or stipe of the mushroom, it's called, and then you can cut chunks. And I find like, as a plant-based eater, seafood alternatives are really challenging to find. Swear to God, it tastes like delicious scallops. I've had it before, I couldn't believe it. Lion's mane is always a favorite if I can find it to eat. Just like that buttery, almost like lobster type texture. And shiitakes are underrated. You know, shiitakes can be found in pretty much every grocery store. And they're also a functional mushroom, Mm -hmm. right? Most people don't realize they grow on trees. They're amazing blood sugar balance, immune system. I mean, wonderful, wonderful species to cook with. So We covered all of the big mushrooms in one talk. And we got to talk about the intelligence and wisdom, and that, that's exactly what I wanted to do. Um, where can the viewers and listeners find you and your work? My website is Danielle Ryan Wellness, and you can find me at Danielle Ryan Broida on social or all over Forsigmatic, forsigmatic.com or at Forsigmatic on social. Amazing stuff. Uh, next time, we are going into the psychedelic world. Yes. So next chat, we're going to, we have a brand new studio coming. Uh, one of our last shows uh, in my old studio, or now it's home, but um, love to have you back. Amazing. Thanks. Would love to come back. Thank you. Thank you. 